everybody, and welcome to the FilmReview.com podcast. I'm your host, FilmReview.com's own Mark Eastman, and with me as always is co-host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hello. And this week, uh, we're, it's the beginning of kind of tearing the year apart as much as we can. Yeah. Next week, I know uh, we're probably going to have like six or seven movies. Yeah. I'm not even actually sure. I know we're doing Spotlight and uh maybe steve jobs i guess today yeah and i don't know other things we can uh, figure I, out some i'm not too. i'm not sure if there are others coming up but next week we're gonna have uh quite a few movies going on it's gonna be like this right awesome. it, it, it's gonna be right before yeah. uh awards and voting and all right. that stuff so we are going to hopefully have uh not only everything that comes out uh next week and in the upcoming weeks, yep. but quite a few things from the rest of the year right. or, or that uh, came out, not some of them not even too long ago. Uh, like we finally will get to Creed next week, I think. Yep. Uh, maybe some things like uh, Suffragette, which was a little while ago, but uh, but we're, we're going to have to just <laughs> have like five minutes of movie <laughs> next week and it's going to be it's going to be nuts. Uh, Spotlight, though, which actually is uh, kind of timely, right? Um, because that, is that wide now, or is that still limited? You know, I I, if it's I feel like it's not wide yet, but I could be wrong about that because yeah. the whole universe is a blur to me at this point. Um, uh, Watching <laughs> right, thing. yeah, finally, finally yeah, got I'll Brooklyn recently, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that was an interesting movie. That is, I think, I'm not even sure what that is either because I know. I know it's limited, and it was limited uh, maybe like two weeks ago. Right. But then I have not seen where it's had any expansion to that. I, I don't even know if it's coming. I haven't heard anything about that right. movie anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's that weird. everybody wants to talk about uh, her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oddly, not that many people are talking about the movie in general, as far yeah. as what I've heard anyway, uh, you know, in the uh, serious contention for Best Picture. Right. But her, they love. Yeah. And, and pretty much every time she comes out with it, something, really, everyone talks about right. her, which, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty much she deserves it, too. So uh, anyway, so we're going to uh, get just get to as many movies as we can. Yeah, I guess Spotlight. No, I don't know. Anyway, that's yeah. my, I'm chiming in like three seconds behind everything, but I'm right. just trying to figure out what's out when. Uh, and so I should mention before we get to uh, any movies. Uh, we've had, you know, a fair amount of emails. Again, people just asking for our lists, mm-hmm. which are not going to happen anytime soon. So I love it. They want a hint. So calm down, right? Yeah. Uh, normally, our <laughs> lists are I not are not until January. I, I'm right. I'm. We don't ever do it until the end of the year is right. done, and we do it kind of pre-Oscar there's, stuff. But there's just too many. I love it. I love because I love lists. Right. You hate them. Right. Yeah, well, you you don't love them. And and I just love that other people are so either they do their lists too, right? And they want to see where we match up, or if they just love that you don't love it, and, and they and just want to bug me, about and they it. want to sure. bug you about it, and that's awesome too because I love bugging you about it, you know. And but I I hope more people are list makers out there, and I want to see lists, right? Like send in your list if you know your list already, and you expect us to have it. I want to see it. I know, <laughs> right. You know, I want to know why maybe Spotlight, which you haven't seen yet, is on or on your worst list or your best right. list or Concussion or Star Wars. And I yeah. know someone out there has Star Wars uh, already on their list. So I got to I gotta tell you, too, um, 
you would think uh, we've mentioned that people have been asking us for our lists, um, but but I guess I haven't now that I think about it really specified about sixty five percent maybe of the people who You're email going for us percentages I love this want or mention best of the year right and the others want to know what our worst of the year yeah. list is so. I well, think that's kind of interesting that people even pay attention that much honest. to a worst list. When we do our lists, um, I, I have a genuine idea of what is going to make your list. And I suspect you probably know what's on mine because we do the show every week. I right. know what you said was a 10, a 9, or an 8. Right. I also know what you said was a 0, 1, or Whatever two. we haven't seen together, we've talked, we've about, talked anyway, about anyway. So, so yeah. there's a part of the list where I'm most interested in your list to know what one, two, and then five, six are. Because those are the ones that I think give you the hardest you know, time. <laughs> right. But I also want to know what the top three worst films are. Because we right. see some crap. Right. And to have you have to decide, like, well, was that crappier? Was than that worse than that? And then I want to hear. Because <laughs> right. it's not, for me, it's not. Then you have list. to have an explanation. The blank list why. is very, right. not the blank list, but the, the, uh, the uninformed list isn't very interesting to me. I don't just want to see one through ten and then be done. I right. want to see a footnote. I want to know why number one was one and ten was ten. And that's the best part. For right. Me. Like knowing why you're like saying. It, it, yeah. You know, it's so, funny, too. Like when you go online and look for best of the year. Yeah. If you go to something and you see like just a list of names. Right. God, yeah. that pissed me off. Yeah. I'm like, like why? You shouldn't why, do you, why do you bother? Like, I don't doing even that? want to see that. So anyway. OK. Uh, so, but people are actually interested in the worst two. Well, I have to mention too, before I forget, we got an email. Uh, first of all, I will say we did get some uh, critic takedown emails, which uh, we're not going to get to. We will. But in, uh, not today. Probably. Right. Not today, not next week. Right. Uh, it's probably going to be a few weeks before we have time to dedicate. But it'll be good to Seriously have. to do that. Yeah. Because I don't want to do it and just, you know, spend like a minute on it yeah. and go, there you go. That's not much of a takedown. Uh, anyway, so we have got those. So if you've sent them in, don't think that we're uh, ignoring you. Right. Uh, the other thing is we got an email from uh, Jim in Austin. Nice, Jim. And uh, he basically just kind of like uh, took us to task a little bit on our Ooh, review last right. week because of uh, Victor Frankenstein. Okay. Because he said, uh, you did not mention the oh. uh, crazy religious cop at all in your review how do you go through that whole movie and i thought okay. oh my god we did forget to yeah. say anything about him and you know there just were enough things to rip on right that, <laughs> that you know the fact that yeah. we had more ammo That's a didn't really register with us at the time yeah. i guess i mean it's you, you know like we i guess we don't really say this that much but uh you know we have no plan we, we we don't like make our outlines of the people, show. Look, I've had people ask me this. They're like, hey, can you put this in? You know, can you talk about in this your rotation? Of and I've told them, we come into the studio, we let the dogs out, and <laughs> we basically wing it. We have right. an idea. Like we have a rhythm now. We, I mean, if somebody asked us tomorrow and you were free and I was free, can you do like a just a fast pod? I mean, we could do it. We can sit down and we can do this. We know how to do right. it now. But there's no itinerary. No. We don't have a producer. We we look at the clock. We see it says two minutes left. We start our end goodbye. You know, or we right. look and we see it's two minutes over, and we realize we didn't say anything to the live listeners, and now we're just gone. Right. And I think people think that that's some sort of self-depreciating humor. Like, oh no, we just 
we we just don't. go. We just right. go. Like right. the truth of the matter is, we come in, we shoot the breeze, we sit down, we continue to shoot the breeze. Oh, we, we only we show. have a microphone. Right. We end the show. <laughs> right. We stand up. We continue to shoot the breeze, and then I go home. Right. And then we just talk later. Right. So I mean, like there's there's no outline to anything, and there's no structure. You have an opening and a closing, and and then what happens in the middle is always unscripted. Right. So. There is so I. I agree. I think that I think some people riot, think, especially some of the emails we get, some people think, you know, that we have our whole outline. We do a bunch of like preparation <laughs> for the show where you, where we go, okay, so Frankenstein want to talk about right, uh, right. this. I hated this. You want to talk. I liked this. This you was get, okay. Right. You, get right. you hit this. McAvoy, I get <laughs> right, right. And remember at 15 minutes in, we got to start grading things. Right. And, and, then, and then somehow, <laughs> somehow we left uh, the cop off, off our list. How did, right. how did that happen? And you know, it's just, uh, it's just, yeah. it's just what happens. One show, when one we go. show, we should actually have a script and like, not a script that we read from, but like an outline and just look over. And I guarantee we won't be fluid. It'll be like, okay, what's next? No, yeah. It'll if be, we did this at seven. It'll be horrible. Time is it now? And then we'll start going, yeah, we spent up. too much time on that. Then there'll <laughs> be a be bunch awesome. of stuff left and we have no time left. And we start going, um, this, this, right. this. And I can guarantee how that show ends. The sound of ripping paper, you or I crumpling it, throwing it against the wall, and going, "All right, well, that's never happening again." So yeah, next we're week so, we're back to our routine. We're so, so bad. Like, but the thing is, the thing is, Andrew Scott was actually really good in that role. I actually, I liked I, him. I thought he, I thought he was good until he lost we, until we really him. started getting close yeah. to the end. Right, and then he was just then it advice. then it was very you know uh, uh, Hollywood outline yeah. stereotypical kind of. Uh, we had like an idea that he had to function in, right. as and opposed we, yeah. to having a character, and this is what he I thought, happened to do. And, and I whatever. thought he was interesting the first two times we see him, and by the third, I felt like I was doing all the work, because I'm like, oh, this is the guy who's going to try to bring them down, he's right, going to get right. something, he's going to look in a window, he's going to see them carrying a body. And he kind of became a cliche in a way that he didn't seem to be at first. Because I actually thought he's got kind of a neat right. little thing going on. And and you know my my only other thing with him is uh, at the beginning I did really kind of like him. But what happened is we wanted to have you, you know like I said I think during the podcast the movie one of the big problems with it is that it has this this weird sort of sense of you know kind of delusions of grandeur or something where it it wants to think that it's telling some like grand tale interwoven into, you know, the goofy actionness. Right. And it's got like some deep thoughts or something. Yeah. And so he's supposed to be this whole, you know, religious moral take on what's going on, which is fine. Right. Except that, you know, I feel like his character would have been a lot better if he wasn't such a nut about it. Right. And he went, you, he went you could like, be a religious person and yeah. have a problem with what's going on right. without being like the world's biggest religious yeah. zealot who, you know, there's, it's one thing to, you know, like as a, as an odd example that pops into my mind, uh, you know, Murdoch mysteries, a Canadian show yeah. where he's a religious guy right. and, and acts fairly religious, but he's not. Right. You know, go into town on yeah. religion all the time. He's not a cop like in this movie that, you know, he's like holding the rosary all the time yeah, and everything. Yeah. And he's he's so just bizarrely focused on the the whole religious right. aspect that all of a sudden it's like he doesn't care about his own job even. Right. Even though he's 
clearly been doing that job forever yeah, and has awesome. run into, you know, amoral people before right, right <laughs> and has right. not completely lost his mind. I think he's just, it was so over the top. Yeah, he went from methodical <clears throat> investigator to maniacal maniac. Right. It, 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 between scenes. With, <laughs> right. With nothing and, he's, and he started and out as just a, a fairly legitimate point for the movie to be making right. and uh, view to have. And it was actually kind of interesting really early on when, you know, he could look at the thing and figure out what yeah, happened yeah, right. in a realistic way where he's just a really good cop in a sea of cops who don't care and don't right, try, right. you know, and he was just the guy who would actually try to look at stuff and figure it out instead of just going, yeah. you know, well, the circus owner said this, so there yeah. you go, you, you know, and, and that was, that was good. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, he was a real wacko. Yeah. I mean, and then, but, uh, but, at that but point, he was he was cool, right? It was like he just uh, kind of went down the rabbit hole with the movie. Right. It was like he, the, he the worse the, the worse the movie got, right. all of a sudden he became crazier and crazier because, yeah. I mean, I guess you have to to keep up with, with yeah. the crazy that's going on. I don't yeah. know, but but uh, we did forget to mention that, and uh, you know, thanks for bringing that right. up. That is, right. it, it was great, uh, and you know, something that deserved to be mentioned uh, about the movie. So, so thanks for catching us on that. And uh, we don't have a prize for you or anything. That's what we should do. We should have a prize. Yeah. Shane will do your answering machine (laughs) message. Like the, uh, that's like the standard NPR. Is that the thing that prize every, every show on NPR. It's like somebody will do your answering machine. I love it. That's well, okay, sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, we got to get something together. We'll uh, send people tickets to something. Did you ever read comics as a kid? The Marvel side where Stanley had the no prize. No. You, if you found an inconsistency in the story, but you could explain it for them, they would give you what's called a no prize. Like they'd mention that you found it. Which, which is its prize. Which is it, its, on prize, its own. Right? Sure. It, you got a no prize. So. Yeah, that sounds cool. We'll do that. Yeah, uh, there you go. Okay, so I think that's all we have to cover as far as that goes. Um, News, there's not really news that like completely blew me away a whole lot. I had, yeah. but we don't really have time to do a lot of news. So if there's huge news, what do you got? There wasn't even huge news. I just, a lot of people got in touch with me, uh, not fans of the show, but just friends and, and family about the new trailer for Batman versus Superman. Cause there was a new one that hit this week. Yeah. That, and that they wanted was to big. Know, they wanted to know what I thought of it. And I actually, I thought favorably about a lot of it, but there's one thing that keeps standing out. That's just very quick to throw out. I think the thing that worries me the most about the film, and it just constantly gets reinforced every time I see new footage, is Jesse Eisenberg is not supposed to be in this film. Like, he's, he looks to be, every time I see something wrong with the film, it's in his scenes. Right. And I love that guy as an actor. I, I, we weren't crazy about the last film he was in fully, but I think he, did, he does great work. I think he's an interesting guy. And I'm a big fan of most of his films, but man, it just seems like he's so terribly miscast or they're using all the worst takes. You know what I think, though? I'm not even sure that um, he's miscast. I think that the character is miswritten, right? Done or misdelivered. The scene where Bruce and Clark are talking to each other and there's the obvious tension and they're both talking about, you know, Batman and Superman. And right. And And then all of a sudden he pops up. He pops up. 
and he like makes these jokes that are so panderingly obvious, like, whoa, we don't want to pick a fight with uh, this yeah, guy. And he's like, and I'm like silly and... that's not foreshadowing. That's just shitty writing. Right. Like you don't know how to foreshadow. And that's just not Lex Luthor. Right. And I mean that's and, and I keep thinking like they don't have a handle on the character. And even if they did, this is not the character they want to put in here. That's not who right. it is. But he's playing it the way he is, and I'm like, I wouldn't even use those takes. Right. Like it's not even him, his bad job. It's just him in the role they're making him right do. And yeah i don't i don't think that he's so he's doing a bad job of acting i right. think they're doing a bad job of telling him what right. to and, be doing because the character seems just goofy and right. it, the thing for me about the trailer is that it seems like it's trying to be too many things and it's trying right. to be super epic whatever right right but we see the stuff in the trailer and maybe the movie doesn't turn out to be that I'm, way I'm because wrong, who but, knows right but as far as watching the trailer They've got all, they're trying to make this almost like they're trying to reinvent making like historic, uh, you know, films from like the 50s or something like El Cid. They're trying to be like some massively dramatic thing. Yeah. What if we took, you know, that part of Hollywood history and, you know, infused that on top yeah. of superhero right. movies and everything right. is like so serious and dramatic. And, you know, with uh, the two of them talking about, you know, the government and too much power and all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's all like weirdly Shakespearean and stuff. Yeah. And it's like super serious. And then you put into that where you know, they're making like jokes about when Wonder Woman shows up and Jesse Eisenberg is basically kind of acting like a clown and it's, and how do you make both of those happen? Yeah. That gets a little weird. I I think it's funny too, that my problem with the movie, and uh, obviously this is based on something that is, it's not like they came up completely with this just for the movie. Right. So it's, there's something behind it, which people have thought makes sense. Right. But my complaint is always that the whole fight makes no sense, right? Right. There, if you're fighting Superman, there, there's no such thing as that, right? Yeah. I mean, especially you know, to your average moviegoer, maybe who hasn't read every comic right. or hasn't read there. this comic or whatever. Yeah. And they even say in the trailer, like talking to Batman, that it's suicide. Right. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> now get me past that somehow. Right. Do right. something where it's not just silly. Right. You know, right. and I don't know how, yeah. how the story wow, gets we'll there. And then all of a sudden they go, oh, well, wait, Lex Luthor's actually the bad guy. You guys right. stop fighting. Now we have something else to right. focus on. Right. And it's like, um, it, it feels unless this is like five and a half hours long. Right. It just seems like there's way too much every, going on. Every once in, you know, this would be real quick. Every once in a while we have, you know, there's a film and it's mostly like these kinds of films where the first trailer you get does contain scenes from the film, but it represents a movie that's not even close to what you see in the second trailer or the final film. Right. Hopefully that's what we'll get. You know, right. I, I've read enough of those comics to know how it might happen. You know, I was really scared of that stuff. happening with Star Wars. Yeah. When we got like those early teaser things. Yeah. And I was like, you know, okay, we see lightsabers, we right. see whatever. And I was like, you know, I bet when yeah. we get really close, all of a right. sudden it's going to be like, this has nothing to do with anything. Right. It's like, uh, you know, all of a sudden you'll, you'll see some part and you know, this is not what happens in star Wars or anything, but you'll see a part in a movie in the trailer 
and you'll go, oh, that's going to happen. Or, yeah. you know, you see the new bad guy in Star Wars or something. And then you get a later trailer. And really, it's like Luke and Leah are watching space TV. Right. And there's that guy. And they see and it has nothing and to do with the yeah, movie. I mean, technically, it's in it. But, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So that, that's the only thing that I saw, you know, that was news or newsworthy. That, that, that was. It's, it's again, it's another. That was a pretty just, big thing just because. Um, it, whether you like the movie from that or think you're going to like it, it is a yeah. pretty cool trailer. It's yeah. a big, it does what it's serious is. trailer. It, it gets you interested. It in gives you a lot of yeah. stuff. And the trailers before really were not giving you much as far as right. What the story was going right. to be. You just saw, you know, people were angry at Superman yeah. or, you know, whatever, but you didn't get any kind of detail. And in this one, you at least finally get Ben Affleck has to talk some. Right. You see, you great. see what he's. I think he's going to be great. Going to be like and stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, the other ones you just you maybe looked at him. Right. <laughs> and right. That, that was about all you got right. out of it. Right. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really good trailer. Though. All right, uh, we're way so, beyond our time of we got a, reviewing we got a movies. You know, I, do I, we I, have a bunch? What do we know. have? Why well, did you see me and Earl? I did. I did not watch okay. that one. Well, yet. you know, then we could easily cover Steve Jobs and we've Spotlight. Got, and, we've got at least I mean, Steve Jobs least, and Spotlight. Easy to do, I think. Right, but uh, and you know, Spotlight is a, you know kind of a a big deal, and everyone loves that movie so yeah, far, and uh, a lot of people are talking about it. it yeah, there. I've been waiting for like a front runner to come out, and everyone's just like, "Oh, that's the one." Yeah, we're all going to get behind. I'm it not sure this is and... the front runner for movie. No, at this point, but it's definitely going to get nominated. Yeah, uh, for a lot of things, I think it's well. I mean, for best picture. Yeah, uh, this that, one yes. is. This one has some front runner stuff happening for like actor, supporting actor, uh, things like that. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's right now in front runner status for best picture, although it's definitely going to yeah. get nominated. Yeah. So, and you know, I kind of feel like it deserves it. All right. So anyway, or at least some of the attention it's getting right. Okay. So right. spotlight, we're going to start with spotlight. spotlight. Um, yeah. I'm going to make you rate it first because you was, keep copying that too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. That one was, that one was interesting for a couple of different reasons. There were times where I was sure it was nine and a half. Then there were times when it was nine. And I, I flittered around asking if I could figure out if it could be and stay a 10. I'm going to give it a nine. And I feel like, <laughs> see, I feel like it, it had just one thing missing that's so silly for me. But they tried to do it when we start talking about it. They tried to do it and it didn't really work a hundred percent for me. And yeah. it almost took, a, it, it did. It's not the only reason that it came down a star or half a star. It's great. It, it's, it's a lot of things that for a movie like that, it succeeds all points on doing what it should do and what it got me to do later. I thought about it a lot after I saw it. I couldn't wait to talk to people about it. Right. Sadly, you're the only person I know who's seen it. So right. it's just going to be you and me for a while. But there's a, there's a couple little things that I saw and felt about it that didn't hit every cylinder. And I thought, man, if, if I'm noticing it, then that's a, then, then there's something there. Right. Okay. Uh, um, I've already reviewed this. So, so my, so my rating is, you know, officially right. historically recorded. I gave it a nine too. See, this is what happens. And here's, here's the thing. Um, 
I kind of feel exactly the same way. Maybe we won't have the same missing thing. I don't think we will. Uh, I, I definitely pulled this movie down uh, for one specific reason that it did not, it did not do something in a pretty, I felt serious way. And I, you know, I thought the exact same thing. Like if I'm noticing this, right. Then it's missing. Then it, then it's gone wrong. Right. right? So maybe they won't be the same thing though. Who knows? But even a big thing either. It's just something that I, when I'm watching it and I'm experiencing the movie and I'm watching the performances and everything's really stellar across the board. There's no, I don't think there's necessarily a bad performance in there. There's no bad, there's no bad story. I, I think no bad bits of yeah. You know, the, the whole ensemble really actually great. is really good, yeah. which is a much more difficult thing to have happen than people probably right. realize, right? right? To have so we'll, everybody work. What uh, was missing? Like, so, so okay, going through the movie real quick. This is obviously, yeah. I mean, this is a thing that happened. <laughs> so it's, it's very, uh, it's very real story though. Right. It's not even like based yeah. on a real story. It's, it's like you, it's like you can just go read the newspaper article, right? right? It, it, it was pretty much it, like this. It, it's the uh, exact thing. It's just right. that it's like kind of the behind the scenes right. uh, version of the story. And I think, um, but anyway, it's it's about the Catholic Church in Boston and uh, the the Boston Globe, and this is back in like starts in two thousand one, uh, fairly early two thousand one. Then it's two thousand two by the time the article actually makes it into the paper. So it's like a year of investigating. Yeah. And it starts off when they think what they're investigating is like this one priest, and the kind of cover up or you know whatever i I don't know if it's exactly like a cover-up the whole thing is a cover-up but with this one priest it's just it's kind of like how did we you know kind of sweep it under the rug and and uh where does the catholic church land in how that happened and all this stuff and then it turns out that they you know as surprised as anyone (laughs) <laughs> the investigators right. are clearly, you know, way more surprised than probably anyone else even gets a chance to be that surprised mm-hmm. that uh, how big this problem is, how many priests are really involved, how many priests in Boston, you know, fall under this blanket yeah. of what's happened and what the Catholic Church has done about it. And like the even like whole system they've devised for dealing with it and keeping it under wraps and yeah. whatever. And, and so it's about these reporters and, you know, I feel like I mentioned this in my review, but I think it's really important in a, in a movie like this, you know, the, the movies that are about the investigation of something that really happened and it's kind of its own little niche yeah, that doesn't have that many movies. Right. Although it's got two big ones just this year. Right. With uh, this and truth. Yeah. Um, I think all these movies, if you're a movie critic, if you're just your, an average audience, probably doesn't matter as much. But I think it's really important to like kind of distance yourself from whether or not the story is a good story. Right. Yeah. Because, of course, the story is a good story. But you but sometimes right. you'll watch a movie and go, yeah, that's a great story. But is it a good movie? Yeah. Is the story of the story a good story. And, uh, and in this case, I think it really is, uh, because the whole thing that happens is, uh, really well told uh, with, you know, as we said, really great performances, I thought. Um, so, and, 
the movie does, uh, I think, a fairly good job of trying to build Boston as a character yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And it's the, you know, Boston-ness of this happening. And, yeah. uh, you know, Boston doesn't want to look at it, <laughs> right. you know, and doesn't want to know and stuff like that. And it does, I think it does a great job trying to relay the extent to which it was, it's kind of like a community of wanting to bury your head in the sand right. kind of thing. Right. The problem for me was that the Catholic church was missing. Yeah. And I, I, it just gave me like a weird feeling like that the people making the movie were kind of going, okay, we're already saying enough bad things about the Catholic church. Right. We don't need to go anywhere else. But they kept kind of talking about how the Catholic church could, you know, pressure you and the Catholic church, there's this guy who's an informant and the Catholic church was trying to ruin his life. Yeah. And he kept saying, look, if you keep digging into this, you know, the Catholic church has the power and knows everyone and has all the money and they right. will, they will make your life hell. Right. And like the guy who is this, informant that they have has basically been uh, kind of going through years and years and years of the Catholic church trying to like smear his name and yeah. discredit him and all this stuff. And you've got people kind of in the political realm in Boston who are supposedly, you know, greasing all the right wheels for the Catholic church and yeah. making things happen. And then it never actually happens though. It, it doesn't, you don't see anything right. happen to them except that people keep saying that maybe something will happen right. to you. Right. And it, it's, it's like, well, we don't want to say anything about the Catholic church that isn't, you know, exactly what was in the paper right. or exactly right. the part of the case, yeah. or, you know, if the Catholic church did anything to kind of try and strong arm them into abandoning the story or something right. we're not going to talk about that and and i just thought you know it's it was noticeable yeah that we're not going yeah. there There's a little and, bit of and i'm thinking that's got to be part of the actual right. story that you're trying to tell right here yeah. and you're just leaving it off to the side yeah. and not doing anything with it and so there's a little bit of irony there too because the film is about you know the overarching as you described the strength of the catholic catholic church to keep people from coming forward and speaking out about them and here's an expose and look it's doing it, doing it or something yet they seem to be refraining from pulling out all the stuff right. because maybe the catholic church will step out on because the way the movie is yeah what can you really do right because all they're doing is something that's already done yeah. it's already right. i can just give hand you the edition of the yeah. paper and and then you see at the end um you know, this is kind of the story of getting the, the first thing out there. Right. But the Boston Globe then went on over the next couple of years to follow up with like all 600 stuff, more yeah. articles about it. Right. This was like the golden goose. So them. what can the Catholic Church do right. about just talking exactly about those parts of the story? Yeah. Because they're all out there already. Right. It's not right. like they're saying anything. But right. if they go any into the details behind the scenes, yeah, then they would they actually be saying something. Right. And that, so they're just not I, gonna, I felt that way a little bit. It, it's, it's funny. I don't, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I kind of noticed it. It wasn't, we have totally different things to, 
to gripe about on the film. Um, and mine is probably going to be small. Like you'll look at it and be like, I guess I see it, but it didn't bother me. Like I saw yours and it didn't bother me. Right. Like, it was there, but I noticed it and probably it factors in, in some big way. Uh, partially cause I thought the story was though they make the story be about what you're saying. So they have to address it. And it was kind of skirted. Right. But I felt like it was more about the spotlight team coming to terms and figuring out putting the pieces together and how they really just kind of figured it out when it was all like in front of them. And, the, and you know, there were other things there, but I, I, I definitely see it. Um, for me, you know, I, I don't know that I could stop saying enough good things about the film. So this feels nitpicky, but when I was thinking about the film and when I was watching it, uh, when I was actually, I'm saying it backwards, when I was watching the film and then later thinking about it, I never felt like, I guess I never felt like an emotional tie to anything from the character's point of view. Like I felt disgusted. Like when you, when you told me the, the film, you're like, you're right. going to probably need to clean up afterwards. <laughs> right. It, it's an incredibly dense. You want and, to be near a shower. Right. You just, when you start like, watching. Oh my God. It. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's not just because of the end. It's like there were, it's like every 20 minutes I want to scrub like the right. filth off me from seeing and feeling and hearing these things. There's, there's a moment um, later in the film where Mark Ruffalo's character uh, kind of snaps. He's under a lot of pressure. He he has really the only emotional moment of the film. Right. And I felt that that moment was forced. Though though I love Ruffalo's character and I think he's amazing in this film, that one moment felt forced, yeah. predicated, and kind of overproduced. It was like, we've got to have something here. So this is where you're going to blow your top and you're going to act as like the moral compass of the film. Right. And, and none of that is a bad decision. There's something about that scene that I didn't believe. And, right. it's, and in a film that isn't supposed to be a documentary, but certainly is very close to the real events, when that's the only moment that there's like an emotional thing going on. And I don't mean later when like Rachel McAdams and he are talking and they're having, you know, a one to one and they're teary eyed. You know, there's, there are those moments when you kind of realize like. And, they say, and, and when they're talking to each other, it's almost like they're trying to deal with the fact that this is actually happening. Right. Like right. There's, a, there's an expression there that like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening to all these kids. I can't believe this is right in front of us. And we're not, you right. know, there's a lot of frustration. I can't believe we can't get what we need to tell the truth. You know, there's a lot of really admirable things there. There's a sense overall, the whole film that's lacking emotion or even an emotional buildup and climax. And and when I'm watching it, I'm like, these people, especially in Boston, though Boston's no better than anywhere else except New York, and and these people who are raised Catholic as they decide in the film, you know, they've all left for certain reasons, but they all have this, you know, fundamental kind of genesis to share from. They should be more outraged. And I don't need them to be screaming at each other and burning things. You know, I don't need that. I don't need overacting. But I didn't get what I felt the story needed. And when I did get it, it felt fake. And then later, as I'm kind of thinking about it more and more, though I don't need it for this kind of story, is the climax of the story might be argued to be several different things. And I'm okay with that too, because it's such a subtle story that's juggling a lot of different topics. But it almost feels like the climax of the story is a thrown away moment that they, they also let go when uh, when later Michael Keaton realizes he bears a lot of responsibility for a decision that's, you know, 20 decades, uh, 20 decades, 20 years old. Right. Like there's almost like this cathartic moment where he's got to bear the burden of all this information. And I see it in him because he's great. 
but I don't see it the way I think they need to portray it. Right. It, it, there's no fanfare. There's no, you know, thunderclap. There's no dramatic thing. It's so underplayed when the rest of the film is so effective at how subtle it is that I felt it lacking. And when I'm looking back at it, I mean, I stopped the film and I went, I, I, I had a bunch of realizations all at once. The first one was, I can't wait to see it again. Like, I kind of want to, maybe not the whole thing. I definitely want to see about a half hour of it again. You know, right. there were there were parts where I just can't wait to see the dialogue or hear how they how they react to each other. Um, but I also was like, I, I'm really excited. To, and I mean, it was late. I couldn't I couldn't call you up, even though I'm pretty sure you up. I was like, I can't wait to talk about this and think about it and and get you know get into it a little bit more. But there's just something that wasn't there. Right. And then I just I was like, well, what was it? And I just started thinking about it. And I'm like, God, that's a really weird, silly thing to be thinking about. So I left it alone and I just kept thinking about it. Right. And I'm like, well, that. That's that. I mean, it may be just for me. I think and it that. May not, but yeah, I there's think no emotion, there's no emotional gravity to it when there needs to be, and when there is, it just felt kind of silly. Yeah. The, so there really isn't. Did um, you think that? I mean, like, how I, did you? I, I, you know, I think there are a lot of parts where there really isn't kind of a lot of emotion going on, but a a lot of the time that happens, I feel like it actually worked well, especially when it had anything to do with Michael Keaton. Right. Because I think Michael Keaton, who he is basically the leader of this spotlight group. There's this uh, group within the Boston globe that is like their investigative unit or whatever that often spends, you know, like a year investigating something. And then, you know, comes out with this huge, whatever. Right. Pulitzer argument. And that's, that's their gig, yeah. right? And Michael Keaton is the the leader of that, you know, group, whatever. And I think he was so good in in such an odd way. And yeah. I think actually uh Lee Schreiber I was just going to say was equally good in an equally odd way because both of them yeah. have roles that Michael Keaton actually gets enough time in yeah. the movie that people will notice them and they have to, but in general, they both have roles that are really easy to overlook. Yeah. That are absolutely because they are just, um, they're very simple and straightforward characters in a way. And, you know, they don't do anything amazing or right. whatever. They're just um, in Michael Keaton's case, it's not that he does anything fantastic, but he just is so that guy. Yeah. In so many ways, it all it reminded me a little bit of when we were talking about uh, the um, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Ian McKellen Ian movie, yeah. where he just does little things. Yeah. And it's like that's exactly how the newsman who's been yeah. doing this for thirty yeah, years right, or whatever. Yeah. That's exactly how he does that. Yep. And it's such a little thing that nobody you know notices really. Right. He's not doing anything spectacular. And uh, Lee Schreiber is exactly the same. He's an odd character anyway, yeah. and he's an odd guy. Yeah. And in real life, supposedly, kind of. yeah. he's kind of this odd guy. He's yeah. uh, Marty. Marty Brown, I think, who became the editor of the Globe, yeah, and uh, at Apparently, this yeah, right. at, at this like crucial time, yeah. right, and um, and he's just kind of an odd guy, and he's very kind of quiet and reserved in an odd way, yep, and yet just kind of tells everyone what to do, and he's in charge, and it's a weird situation that he's in where he's right. become the editor of these people, and they don't you know really know him, but yeah. he's the boss, and they all whatever know he's, he's there to cut. 
Right. He's there to take the right. budget he is, down. He like, is there, and he's gone from paper to paper right. to he's now the Boston Globe, yeah. where it's a time when everyone is getting really scared of the internet, yep. and you know papers are starting to shut down right. or make massive make cuts big, or yeah. whatever. So, uh, you know, everyone's a little nervous about him being there and doesn't know what he plans to do. Right. And he nails that character, it's like, so, so awesomely, I thought. Wow, go ahead. And, right. and uh, Michael Keaton does the same thing. But for me, most of the time when it was, in a way, seemed very unemotional, I was okay with it, especially when it was Michael Keaton. Right. Because they were so good at selling that they just couldn't believe it. Right. It's like they couldn't form an emotion because it was so alien yeah. and outlandish and bizarre that they couldn't believe it. At the beginning of the movie, it seemed to me that there was more emotion. Yeah, strangely. And it you know that they just turn it down. When there yeah. w- when there was this one priest yeah. who was accused and they had like victims they could talk to mm-hmm. and he was accused of molesting children. It was like they could get behind that and right. have emotion. Right. And then Michael Keaton would be talking to this informant guy who would go, yeah, I feel like it should be more like 90. And right. Michael Keaton would what? Yeah. Like it was just huh? all yeah. of a sudden it was like you couldn't wrap your head around that yep. to have an emotion. Yep. So a lot of the time I feel like they sold that pretty yeah. well. Yeah, I agree. Even um, at a certain later point, Rachel McAdams goes and talks to this priest. That was awesome that was i thought that was an awesome scene and i thought that kind of represented a lot of what was really great about the film yeah. where it was you know it wasn't like they were superheroes mm-hmm. or they were like all sherlock holmes right figuring everything out right it was just they're just regular people and they would like stumble into stuff or they yeah. would they would accidentally find out things um mark ruffalo would talk to the one lawyer who would say but they're not there. The those, papers aren't there. And Ruffalo would be like, what? Yeah. And so they would have all this stuff that they would, you know, they just would get it. Right. But then they couldn't believe it. You know, right. like when Mark Ruffalo's like the Catholic church stole the records from the courthouse legal talk, yeah. and he would be like, what? Right. Like it, he should be outraged about that too. Right. right. But he just can't believe and the answer he's he like, this is this is not the world yeah. we're actually in, like, right? That's illegal. And the answer is basically like Boston Church, man. Right, right. Like basically, and he's just like, How, where are you? Where are you been? Right, exactly. Like, he's just like, I can't believe this. And uh, you know, like when when Rachel McAdams talks to that priest, yeah. who basically just admits to everything, because apparent yeah. apparently we don't really get into it or anything, but apparently he's getting a little senile. Right. So he just goes. Yeah, whatever. He just it, like right. admits to everything. It's it's clearly a conversation with an old person who's you know kind of losing it a little bit, and so she's writing everything down. And it's like she should freak out more That's about a, that. Yeah. Except that she goes, "Wait, what happened?" Right. Like, like she's trying to get someone to tell her something, and then someone tells her something, and right. she doesn't know what to do with that. Yeah. Right. So there were times I thought that it it should have had some more emotion to it. But the movie had kind of built this whole world that I could kind of get behind where no one could believe any next thing that happened because every next thing that happened was like so much worse. Right. Everything doubled down. It was like, yeah, it was like exponentially crazier. So they just had no idea. When the spotlight team finally takes it to Bradley, 
And they're like, you know, how many have you got? And he goes, 90. And he and he does the same thing. He goes, 90? You know, and right. then they, they reverse engineer everything. Like, maybe the first thing to tell everybody that should tell anybody who listens to us for a long time how good this film is, it, it's got a running time of like two minutes, two hours and 10 minutes or two right. hours and eight minutes. I wish it was 35 it, minutes longer. It, it could have been an hour longer I wish it was easily. 45 minutes right. longer. The scenes with Mark Ruffalo and Stanley Tucci are the adrenaline of the film. Right. When he's basically got, and, and it's easy to draw a lot of comparisons to all the president's men. You know, he's not a deep throat character because he's just out in the open. He's a guy who's representing tons of clients and he doesn't have time. And, and he's not like a crackpot guy. He's someone that the church has kind of put down and he's fighting back. He's right. going to do it no matter what because he knows it's right. The scenes with Stanley Tucci, I loved every single one of them. And I thought yeah, he's this was awesome. something that was really interesting. I thought when Resendez goes, when Mark Ruffalo's character goes to see him first, it's built up to be such a cliche guy. The guy's behind a door screaming yeah, about yeah. coffee, screaming about scheduling, and Ruffalo sneaks in. And I expect him to be like this sleazy guy. Mickey Rourke might have played him. Right. You know, he's just looking for an angle. He's trying to get cash out payouts for his clients because he's got 50,000 of them. And he thinks I can make my rent if I get 10 of them, right. you know, these kind of things. And he isn't. He's not a stereotype at all. He's a, and, and you get the character so quickly. He's a real three-dimensional feeling, thinking guy. Later, there's all these other characters. And I felt like Leif Schreiber. I, I, the scenes that he had, not like they were... Not like they were like adrenalizing and, and running around, but there are scenes where I just, I felt like I was getting goosebumps. Like the scene where they're talking about Spotlight and they're all kind of going over everybody and they're like, they, they kind of choose their own cases. Right, and he looks right. at him and goes, well, would you consider choosing this case? Like, right. That's an amazingly energized scene. And he's so and Seem like, like someone it, has right? to shake it. Right. Like, wake up, you know. Right. But it's powerful. But and that's it's just, so and it's so good, and it gets a lot of its power. The same, the same way with Stanley Tucci, it gets a lot of its power because, not because of what he says or how he says it or whatever, but because that's exactly who his right. character is. There's, because he so nails that character, and like with Stanley Tucci, even though he doesn't, he's not on screen a lot. He isn't. But in like five minutes, he could have his own movie. Right. And he's because out you've got over, that whole right. character. And eventually when he and Ruffalo sit down and he gives Ruffalo the information, that's the final thing that he really needs. That whole scene. That's one scene I want to watch from start to finish until I'm sick of it. Right. And I won't get sick of it often, but I'll do one better. Stanley Tucci's great. And he's and I think his performance is maybe I'm not judging it. Maybe it's not as better. But Billy Crudup, who's this this kind of corporate guy who's right. been dealing with these cases and, and he's under like an oath to not talk about them because they signed non-disclosure agreements. When Michael Keaton and Rachel McAdams go to him, he is just one like kind of chorus beat away from twirling his mustache. He's the right, black right. hat villain and he's super sleazy and oily. And then they go see him two or three times. And by the last time they see him, he's a fully fledged character who has an incredible surprise. Like right. You, and so and he, he does, he does so much. Not this cliche. He surprised me because I thought it's going to be easy to paint him in this way. You know, give him a placard and say, sleazy lawyer, right. can't touch him. You know, this kind of thing. And when he reveals what he needs to reveal, I'm like, holy shit. Right. This is awesome. And, and awesome because of the And you know, I it. I actually am a huge fan of his. I love Billy Crumb. Um, he he actually still has to my mind, he is the character in the best scene ever filmed. Which is what? <laughs> which, now we, okay, now we gotta sidestep this. Which is, is this in Watchmen? Uh, 
No, it's a it's a scene where he's sitting at a table and like, like just goes movie. off on this monologue. Oh. In um, it's a movie that uh, Jennifer Connelly's in. God, I can't remember the I can't remember the movie now. Um, it crap. Now it's gonna drive me crazy. Um, anyway, he's in a he's in a movie with Jennifer Connelly, and uh, it's about like she dies, but then he feels like he keeps seeing her. Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm I don't know. Look at it. Uh, anyway, I can't even reach my phone to try and look it up. But right. uh, anyway, when he's when he's in the movie, one of the thing that's really awesome about him, and is often awesome about him in other roles and everything, is that. Uh, all of the stuff he gives you without saying anything, you know, just by the way he looks at them, the yeah. way he looks at them in response to like questions they ask him, they ask him a question. He doesn't even say anything, mm-hmm. but he's got like this perfect look. Yeah. He, he's is so much that guy, right. That that's the reaction he would have. And then, you know, like you said, by the time we get to the end, he's almost a different guy. Yeah. He's because he's finally, you know, revealing himself I, more instead of at the beginning. Right. He's just, you know, he could be any lawyer. He's just right. like, we saw some lawyer and yeah. he said, I, you know, client confidentiality and right. I can't and tell you stuff. You know and, and, the, and the way he and enjoys not, it, it's almost like the way he enjoys telling them he can't tell them, but he, he's right. You know, when he's having kind of like, it's not like he's having fun toying with them. And, and not only that, but it's like both sides know, right. You know, if I I know I can't ask you this, but I'm gonna anyway. Right. I know you can't answer. And sure. one of the things that I didn't like about the movie is that that line is in the yeah. where uh, right. Michael Keaton says, uh, "I got two stories." Right. And it's, it's either this story right. or this story, that's but we're right in one of them. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's for and it's going moment, to happen for every moment. I know you're gonna look this up for every moment that. Uh, Billy Crudup has a scene and he only has waking it's waking waking the dead dead. right the scenes that he has he only has them with Rachel McAdams and with uh, Michael Michael Keaton right just like Stanley Tucci doesn't see anybody else he just sees Mark Ruffalo for every single moment and this is one of the things that's really fun for me when there's a a Tucci Ruffalo scene then they cut and he's got to go do something else then there's like a Billy Crudup scene they got to cut and do something else there's you know there's some soft stuff that Adams and I'm blanking on the other guy. They fill in. And then every once in a while, they well, all get they together. All get in the office. And there's moments where I'm watching just how subtle everybody is. And it's almost like if you didn't know, not, not to sound real highbrow here, but if you didn't know a good performance, you'd just look at this and be like, well, nobody's acting. They're just reading lines. Right. You know, because there's nobody grandstanding there's no like raised voices there's nobody's acting there. like they're in a play right and they're like over and this would be an selling what right. they're doing and yeah this, yeah because they don't have to project to the back seat right like this is so subtle but because of that it's much more potent it's like it's just this stinger and watching them all michael keaton after birdman and now this like that's i can't wait to see him more things right you know mark ruffalo never disappointing i love i love seeing that guy and everything and i'm always really psyched to see billy crudup because for a while it felt like when he was popping up in like a mission impossible film you know all you got to do is see billy crudup and you know that's the double agent right that guy right. he's always that guy now and that sucks because now I know the end of the film. And and in this, I'm like, this is going to be the sleazy lawyer that's going to lead the film, uh, end the film in handcuffs. 
And he has this moment, and I'm just like, holy crap, that's a real person. Right. This is a real guy, and he's got every right, no wonder to feel like he does. And it's just between everyone in the newsroom, and they don't waste a lot of time building up, because you know what a newsroom is supposed to look like, even now that the internet has killed it. Like, the conversations where Keaton and Bradley are walking out, and they look back, and leave Schreiber still at his desk, you know, Barron's still there, and they're like, uh, I'm I'm getting people to stay late just to see how long, you know, he's here. Guy never leaves. Right. You know, just these little moments. And then the night where he walks out with him and he's talking about the story, like, I don't know that the thing ever really truly misses a beat except for that. Just it's so close. It's almost like it just ran out of steam before it could get to the very And, And, you know, I almost gave this, uh, back some extra you know bonus extra credit points or something just based on how easily so many things could have gone wrong and then it would have been horrible oh man if you had uh if you if you had a couple of the actors yeah you know not work we've even got like the one reporter and i don't remember his name this but is the guy i'm gonna look up. but he um covers that there's this house in his neighborhood yes. or whatever that could have gone so bad he's not like a big name guy that right. you're like oh well he'll be great too or whatever and and he i think is perfect right he, he's exactly the character he should be but you know you have somebody else in a couple of these roles who yeah. doesn't quite nail it the way that these people do, this is a movie where everyone has to nail it yeah, or it's going to be awful. Right. It's, it's all going to fall apart. It's right. not like you can just have some people be pretty good yeah, or it will, it will lose everything. The, right. whole, the whole structure of it will like unravel and then you, you won't be interested anymore. Right. It will just be another movie where you already know how it ends. Fine. Tell me the story, whatever, yeah. but I know what happens and it, and it won't, amount to much right and you know every single thing that could have gone wrong even i thought what was great another thing that was great not so much michael keaton exactly but the way his character is written is that you know he's like the guy right right i mean he's everyone knows who he is in boston yeah right he's i mean he's been there forever he's been doing this forever everyone knows who he is but still he's not like superman right right when he has this meeting towards the end with someone who is kind of trying to like dissuade him from uh, pushing too hard on things. Right. He doesn't really know what to say. Right. Or what to do. He's not just like, uh, you know, I don't know, like boss man Bing walking around going, ha ha, you can't tell, you can't push me around. Right. It's like, he doesn't really know what to do. He's, he's just still a guy. Yeah. He doesn't know exactly what to say but he's been around the block enough times that he doesn't, he doesn't have to know exactly what to say. Right. He doesn't have to have this great speech where it in response to him to tell him off kind of, right. He just kind of has, you know, act like that guy would instead yep. of all of a sudden somebody saying, uh, you know, for the dialogue of the scene, we need to write like this awesome retort to pushing me around. Yeah. He just kind of has something to say that he, seems like he would really say. Right. And I think that was like a great thing that you would not notice. Right. Right. That's a great thing. The lack of something being there is yeah. not what people would notice all the time. Right. And even that was just, I thought when he started, uh, this guy started trying to push Michael Keaton around. Yeah. 
I thought, oh, this could go weird where yeah. Michael Keaton's going to get up and puff out his chest and, yeah, right. you, you know, whatever. Right. I got the power of the press. And, but he didn't. Oh. Yeah. He just was yeah. like, well, <laughs> you know, and he just, and, and I thought that was so, that was so cool mm-hmm. and something that's no one's going to care about or right. pay attention to. It's not going to matter. Yep. Even though they're going to, they're going to get out of it what they should. They just won't know it. Right. They, they, right. they won't bother to recognize it because nobody looks at things the way we yeah. do right and looks at every I scene was, like that i was worried about that scene too it's, it's brian darcy james was playing this it's sad that he's like this side he's like the ringo of the spotlight <laughs> right, right. That, he, i'm like because he everybody needs a moment and they've all got theirs and when like you said when he realizes that there's a kind of pedophilic priest potentially right. living around the corner literally i mean when he jumps up out of his chair walks around the street and we're watching this one shot i'm like where is he going you know, what, what does he realize? And then he just suddenly figures out like, Oh my God. And he puts this note on the refrigerator. I thought, I thought that was awesome too. The way they filmed that, where they never explained what was going on way after. Right. Yeah. It's like way later when he talks to Michael Keaton about that, you know why he did that in the first place. And I thought that was awesome. He just looks at this dark house. Right. And he's staring at it. And I'm like, I don't get it. Uh, Right. Like, is there a victim there? Is there? I mean, you know, clearly that something connected is there. But you don't know. But I, I actually kind of thought it was some victim's house so or I. something. So and then, in his and then all of a sudden, right. it turns out that they have these, the Catholic Church has set up these, you know, I don't, treatment houses, houses. Yeah, or right, whatever right. to put these priests in. But and then also when they figure out, they start looking at the codes of yeah where they are, and then they go, hey, what? If, Michael Keaton just goes, what if we, what if we go backwards right, and just look at every priest in the yep. universe and see what their <laughs> thing is? Right. I was like, oh my god, and it's not like you could just uh, run this all in your computer, right? Even in old school, even in although you know, God, two thousand one doesn't seem it doesn't that, seem that long ago, that long just, ago in that the real AOL world, disc. right? That but, was AOL disc. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's funny. Like really young people will watch this and go, "Why didn't they just you know right. Why Google, Google that?" Guy? <laughs> right. Well, that moment when the, when they're in the library in the basement and they're looking through stuff and he realizes that there's like ten or twelve volumes of like this you know information. He goes, "Are all these books that yeah?" Crap. Well, uh, a quick side. We're about we're totally we're totally running out of show. time. Yeah, I mean we can do Steve Jobs later and be done with this. I don't know. We can do. Uh, so anyway, the live show is about to end. We might as well just say uh, goodbye for the live show. Right. I I'll we'll I'll, I'll leave it up to you. I could do Steve Jobs really quickly. <laughs> so we we might as well tack on then. That'll be a bonus because yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, do it real quick. Okay. So uh, in the uh, podcast version that won't be available. Which the right. live show is going to end in like a minute and a half. Thanks for tuning in. I've then right. now go listen to it again on the podcast, <laughs> right. so you can get Steve Jobs. Uh, you know this movie is uh, I can't recommend it enough. Even though I Probably. only give it nine, yeah, really things. Even as I was watching it and loving it, as I was watching it, there were too many things that I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, and not all of them in a bad way, but right, there, no, there but were too many things that I was thinking about that I was going, God, I wish they would have this, or yeah. I wish it would stop just hinting at this or yep. talking about this and actually, yep. th- because as far as the movie, you know, we run step by step through the movie and this team and what they had to do didn't seem very hard. It didn't seem like they, uh, apart from the fact that people kept telling them the Catholic Church might do something, yeah. 
didn't seem like the Catholic right. church ever actually did anything. And, and there are a few other notes, but you know, again, I can't recommend it enough. I, I can't either. And I can't, I can imagine upon reflection, give me a little bit of time, give me another week, maybe let me watch it again. I, I could go up to nine and a half. I'm not going to, I don't think I can get to 10 because I right. think that what I, what I feel is only going to be reinforced the next time I see it. Right. But I'll be damned if this wasn't like super great, but it, super it, interesting. I think it absolutely and, deserves to get nominated. I I don't think absolutely. it's going to end up deserving. Um, anyway, the live, no. the live show, I guess, well, actually, maybe the live show is still going. Wow, we booked, I, I don't, we I don't know it. what happened. We're so actually. used to. Well, that's funny. That's you know production notes. We're so used to doing right. an hour show that we mentally think of an hour. You're right. We we started booking the show for an hour and a half now. So right. So I, I guess the live we'll show is still going right. on. Right. Who knows? Anyway, but uh, really quickly because I don't want to go uh, too much longer. Right. Um, like I said, I can they do, do I can do Steve Jobs, Jobs can do pretty quick. really quickly right. because uh, for me, I'll go first this time since okay. you bravely went first last time. Uh, for me, this you is this. for me this is exactly average except a little bit less. Oh, so I give this one four and a half. Oh, I did not think that there was uh, anything about this movie except for I thought that. Um, Fassbender was great. Yeah. Fassbender I thought was he great. was like weirdly awesome to watch. Yep. Right. But it was almost for me, by the time I was done watching this movie, it was almost like if I could just go to Disneyland and they would replace the animatronic Abe Lincoln right. with Fassbender being Steve Jobs. Yeah. And he would just kind of be Steve Jobs for a while. Yeah. I would go, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. But the story was so weird and the story was kind of purposely so weird yeah. where it's just kind of like these three little nuggets of time mm -hmm. and what happens in them and what we're supposed to glean from how that happened yeah. and his kind of his basic attitude and his attitude against other people or right. when he has to butt heads with other people yeah. or when somebody calls him on anything or right. questions him on anything, it, it just, it wasn't enough of trying to be something that was a movie. Yeah. It was almost like this was the world's greatest bonus feature on the Blu-ray <laughs> yeah. of another movie right. that's about Steve Jobs' life. Yeah. And it's yeah. actually, and it's actually a whole story. Wait, no. Yeah, four, four, and a, a half. four and a half. Right, a little yeah. less than average. I thought um, by the time I walked out yeah. of it, I was kind of like, okay. Right. But I was like, you know, I just, it it left me so wanting something. Yeah. You know? Right. And yeah. and I, I, I liked everyone in it, I think. Yep. Uh, nobody, nobody stood out to me as I was as like, eh, they're kind of dragging this down. Mm -hmm. Or... I didn't think, apart from Fastbender, I didn't think anyone was great. I didn't, oh, wow. I, I didn't right. think Tony anyone was. I didn't think anyone was really yeah. wowing me. Yeah. I think I think they were doing fine. It's sort of like Spotlight, yeah. you know. Right. It's like if they're in a lot of movies, you can just be really good. Yeah. And that's all you need to be. Right. And like in this movie, I thought there were people who were good, and that yeah. was like all they needed to be. There wasn't anyone except him that I was right. that I was kind of like, well, look, they're awesome, yeah. or you know, whatever. And and it just it didn't it it was I I felt like 
it was trying to have this kind of gimmicky theory of putting together yeah. a story that, you know, just the gimmick did not yeah. work for me. I'm a little bit on, I'm, I'm the flip side of that coin. I, I actually, every once in a while, we see a movie where we either like it or don't. Most often we don't. Uh, most often we do, but we say, I could easily see why someone would hate that. And I don't know if they're wrong. You right. know, I, I, I liked this a little bit more than you, but I thought it was just a little bit above average. I was at like six, six and a half. I, I think I'll probably say, I would probably say six and a half. That's, that's really where my first instinct was. And that's the whole idea behind it. Sure. But what's funny to me is if, if as a movie, it's a six and a half, I kind of felt like the performances were seven and a half or eight. Like I actually really liked what was happening. Uh, the movie I, I, I kind of do too. I would say overall, like strangely as an, as a, as a overall, thing. I would say everyone uh, involved in the movie is, it is you know, like at least seven. Yeah. They I mean, they, really they were doing good. And their scenes are really fun. Just not nine or 10. As a cohesive but, thing, though, yeah. it really fails. Like the components there are really solid. For me, it was almost, and it's pretty close to what you're saying. I felt like I watched a bunch of dailies. I didn't see a whole right. movie. And, and I, even and though I rate it much more than you, there were some scenes in it that I thought, man, that's a great scene. The scene with, <laughs> the scene with Fassbender and Jeff Daniel later in the film, or through the film, mm-hmm. that whole transition of stuff, like yeah. they're, they're both great. And then and the scenes before that, when they make the call with the board, like all that stuff, their scenes are very strong and powerful. He's almost in every scene with, um, with I'm blanking, uh, Kate Winslet. You know, and Kate was really good. She's just real subtle. She does what she has to do when she gets right. out of the way. The the thing that was really interesting there was Fassbender. This yeah. Is, this is a film just to show how great of an actor he is. And he and he does what a lot of people didn't think he could do, you know, because he doesn't look like Steve Jobs. Not that that's the reason you get the right. part, but it, it helps. Um, and he didn't necessarily, like, take over Steve Jobs and, and study film, and but he, he did it enough. You know, he did it enough to do it real well. And there's a real arc to the story. There's this real thing about Steve Jobs where it investigates a bit of why people were really devoted to him, but he was a real asshole to everybody. Right. And and there's great moments in there. You know, Seth Rogen has kind of interesting playing Steve Wozniak, but yeah. he has he's he's, he's okay. He's too. actually got one of the better scenes in the film later too, when he really right. wants credit for the Apple II team, and Jobs is adamant about not doing it, and they make fun of everybody. And when everybody, like when the stagehands are trying to clear the room and Jobs is like, no, leave everybody here. Let's just do this in front of everyone. That's a great scene too, encapsulated by him saying, you know, you can be a genius and be kind to people. You don't have to be one or the other. Right. And that's, that's basically Jobs. But I'm like you, I'm left wanting all the great parts in between the scenes that I've seen. It, it was a great series right. of dailies, but there's no finished film there for me. And that's coming from someone who, I'm an Apple guy, you know, I, right. I know all the story pretty much anyway. I like Michael Fassbender a lot and I'm a huge Aaron Sorkin fan. And if you, if you like any of those, you're going to get some. Right. And all put together, and all there put should together, be more going it on. It should be right. better. Like if there was a disappointment scale, if we ever did that, man, this should have been an eight for me. Right. Easy. And, and it just, it wasn't. And it's both basically, <laughs> he didn't like the movie either. It's basically because of, the weird anti-film you get right so. and you know for me too one of the one of the things that kind of brought down actually i guess sort of two of the things if i'm really being honest about my take on the movie uh you know i was really interested in michael fassbender mm-hmm. i wasn't that interested in steve jobs 
The movie, yeah, the agree. movie was not getting me, yeah. you know, to where I was really interested in Steve Jobs. And then another thing where this is just kind of like a personal note, and you know, we all bring our baggage to yeah. seeing a film, I guess. But there's something that is not that interesting to me. It's just like, uh, you know, the Facebook movie, which right. I did not really like the Facebook movie. Yeah. Just based on the fact that I don't want to see a story about an asshole. Right. I mean, just tell right. me he's an asshole and I'm good. Yeah. I don't need a whole. I don't. I, I don't need it. a whole movie yeah, explaining all of the different ways that he's an asshole. Yeah. And there was a little too much of that in this movie where it was. I felt like it was really trying to convince me that he was an asshole. Yeah, right. Instead of just showing me who he is and right. showing me what happened and giving me like a person who's an asshole. Right. It was really trying to like hit those notes. Like, yeah, right. Sure. Like this is a moment. He, he really see. did this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, fine. But you know, it, it I, I don't want, I, I don't want to get a movie. Like it almost makes me, you know, by the time I'm done watching the movie, I'm like, well, fine. You convinced me. What the hell did you make a movie about him for? Right. I'm like what's, I'm, what's the sell at the right. end where I'm going, yeah. Uh, thanks for showing me that right. you know i'm with you i can't I, I mean i know i know enough about steve jobs to not be surprised by anything in it and, and at this point you know i'm not sure that there there is anything there but i was real curious about fassbender right and i was so and, and, and he, he was he was still really impressive really good, even though really i don't like the movie yeah. Yeah. he was really good like i would not i mean obviously people are talking about him getting nominated right i would not be surprised <laughs> if he got nominated yeah. And I, you know, I would not have much to complain about if he got right. nominated because right. he was, he was really he was good, yeah. but yeah. it's just that he's really good at something that is bad. Didn't, yeah. it didn't impress <laughs> me. So whatever. Yeah. We did that one real quick. Cause I don't know. There's a whole lot left. This, I mean, I could go on and on about how great Aaron Sorkin's script is and how, you know, if you're a fan of West Wing talk and well, oddly, it, oddly, know, the script, but... the script is really good. If you look at everything like scene by scene. Yeah. Every right. scene is really well written. Right. The dialogue's really good. Yep. It doesn't, you know, meander for no reason. Sometimes right. it meanders, but for but a reason. A reason. Yeah, but then put all those scenes together and I don't really love yeah. that script. Right. But you know, right, so. scene by scene, they're all actually kind of individually excellent. Right. Agreed. But there's no cohesive thing to it. So, right. And that's where it falls. All right. I think we might as well wrap up. That's okay. uh we're ten minutes over. Next week, uh you know. Star Wars. I, I don't know. Buckle no, up. Know. Buckle yeah. up next week. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars is two weeks. I know. I, right? keep, I okay. keep thinking we'll get it early. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. And next we next week is uh, going to be a real crazy hip, hip parade show Creed, where we're probably going to do at least five or six movies, yeah, a bunch of maybe things. even more. Right. So yeah. God knows what's going to happen. Right. But we're cool. going to try to get everyone caught up. Yeah. On our on, on our take of as many movies yeah. left in the year as we can. Right. Uh, We're running out of time. I right. Mean, man. Right. It's, it's the year's almost left. over. So uh, anyway, cool. Don't miss next week. If right. you if you miss a week of the show, don't miss ne- mix, don't miss, miss next week. week because yeah. we're going to uh, cover so many movies right. that you're gonna uh, definitely want to be there. I, I you know I feel like we could do ten. We just have no time to right. actually fit that many in. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thanks thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to catch us next week. And uh, please, please share, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, review us on iTunes, tell all your friends, and uh, otherwise trick people into listening to us. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, bye.
Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.